Hey everybody, this is Sean, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Shot by Shot. This is our third and final episode with the lovely Collie Hamner. You may know Collie from his work on The Signal, The Question, and Red with Warren Ellis. So in this episode, Collie and Brian talk a little bit about what they would like to do in a Marvel and DC crossover, as well as their thoughts on the current quarantine. Please enjoy. As far as like the, the first movie is concerned, the first 15 minutes of that movie is a fairly straight adaptation of the oh, setup yeah, of the book. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's kind of a it's kind of funny because um, now we're we're kind of both guys who've done a book that's been to a certain extent converted into a movie, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, what's funny what's funny and, is that your book was not creator owned, but it was a much more direct adaptation than mine was. Yeah, yeah, but um, <laughs> but it's it's like it, isn't it just the weirdest experience to sit in a theater and say. I drew that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, and and I, it's even weirder to see your name come up at the beginning of, of the movie. That was that was an odd experience too. Um, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's 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 so it's so bizarre because, like, um, you know, one one of the things that um, that like, I'm sure in a sort of steam, my girlfriend, um, you know, thought is like, okay. I'm hanging out with this guy, and he's a comic book artist. So those dreams of travel and all that stuff, that's over. That's done yeah. with. That's not going to happen. But uh, but isn't, isn't it bizarre, the fact that, um, that, like, comics have, like, so dramatically changed from when we first got in to now, and the fact yeah. that, that comics have taken us around the world uh, we've met like people practically from different planets, you know, and, and it's pretty it's much so yeah. different. I, you know, you I know? mean, look, uh, Elisa, my girlfriend, as you know, is, is a media academic. So she's like fascinated by all this stuff to the point where she's actually, uh, her next book is about comics in Hollywood. Uh, oh, sweet. but she, you know, she would not have been able to, to write that book uh without the connections that i have like like she really you know mined me for the for interviews with people and and and, you know connecting her with not just comics people uh but like you know agents and managers and producers and people like that that she would not she would not have not have as as easily been able to connect with it if if it weren't for comics and yeah yeah i have to say i mean well, I was going to say, yeah, like, you know, when I when I got into comics, I wanted to do comics. I didn't want to do anything else. I wanted to be 30 years down the road and still doing comics, which I am. But I didn't count on the larger media kind of connections that came out of it and the experience. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the contract that I signed when I decided to be a comic book artist was, OK, you know, you're going to you know, sort of work in a dank basement alone and never know the touch of a woman. Not an unpaid anyway. And and you know, my thought was, wow, that's uh that's that's terrible. <clears throat> but uh but yeah, and I signed my name on that contract. And uh and you know, over the last thirty years, you know, it somehow yeah. got picked up. I mean the the weirdest thing is is 
is being, you know, sort of in a in another country and thinking, wow, uh, Batman brought me here, you know. Yeah. Uh, or, or, I mean, you know, I got to tell you, it's really interesting to be sitting in a chair next to Bruce Willis shooting the bull, you know, and thinking, wow, you're playing a guy I made up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's just so, so absolutely bizarre. I mean, and, yeah. and again, it's, it's, it's not, it's not the thing that like either of us signed up for. And there's, there's a thing that uh, that we always talk about. I think this is one of the reasons why we're still doing it. We've managed to maintain our fanboy while trying to be professionals. But our, I yeah. remember, yeah. like, uh, and this just happened like not too long ago, but uh, but it was at the end of a Baltimore show, and uh, and we were kind of grabbed some breakfast and we were just kind of chit chatting, and it was like you know Monday morning and everybody was uh, was leaving. And uh, and while we're sitting in the uh, in the hotel uh, restaurant uh, for breakfast, Howard Chicken comes in and <laughs> says, "Hey, uh, you guys mind if I sit down for a second? And and we just chat with Howard Chicken, and then he left, and then Walt Simonson came in and said, "Oh, what are you guys doing?" And we're like, "Ah, you know, we, we don't leave for another you know couple of hours." And Walt's just like. Yep. Hey, mind if I sit down and have some coffee? And we just chatted with Walt Simonson for a while, and he left. And then Brian Boland came in and did yep. the same thing. And I remember, you know, sort of Brian Boland walked out, and we kind of looked at each other and went, man, if I had told my 13-year-old self that this moment would happen, he would have lost it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, You know, and I've had a couple of sequels to that. I mean, like, I... Just this past Baltimore, I went down to the restaurant and I had no one to have breakfast with, and I was just going to eat by myself, you know. And I'm sitting there, and once again, Howard walked in. Anybody sitting here? I'm like, uh, no, sit down, you know. And he sits down. Klaus Jansen walks in. Oh, what are you, what are you fellas doing? Mind if I join you? And I'm like, sure, come on, sit down. And and then Lee Weeks walks up. Hey, do you mind if I join you guys? You have an extra seat. Sure, come on in. And we sat there just jawing away and having a good time. I made a joke. Everybody laughed. And I'm thinking 10 year old Cully would have been, would have been pooping in his pants <laughs> to know that this was going to happen someday, that I'm actually friends, yeah. able to be friends with these people. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I appreciate <clears throat> about this industry is like, is generally the people that come in purely to make a lot of money. They get out of here pretty quickly. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and, and the people that are that are left, and especially the people that have sustained a career, they're all fanboys. They all are absolutely madly in love with with what we do. You can tell the lifers. You can always spot the lifers, the people who are just, this is the life. I mean, I, I, I remember saying to someone, might have been somebody in my family, I can't remember exactly who it was, but I was like, you know, you the error that you're making is you think this is what I do. And what I'm trying to tell you is that this is what I am. Yeah. And there's yeah. a big difference. Yeah. I don't do this. I am this. I think the hopeful and also saddest thing about it is, is like, no matter what I was getting paid for, I would probably still do this. Shut up, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't say that out loud. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, but but I think um, I think that's the thing that's uh, that's that's really uh, fascinating about this whole thing is is that whole there's still stuff you know that uh, that we discover you know and then those those are the best you know, conversations that uh, that we have and we're still having those conversations we're still on the phone right. for long you know sort of while we're while we're doing this stuff. <laughs> yeah you know it's, it's especially just, since I moved away discover it. You know, because it used to be Brian and I would be in the studio every day together, and and Brian would go and he'd fix his tea, and he'd come in and he'd plop down on my on the couch in my office and go, so go, and then we would start talking about whatever. Uh, and now it's we don't do that as often, but when we get on the phone, you're it is routinely going to be a two or three hour conversation, and you're might be the only person that I do a, do that with because I'm not a, ah. I don't like I don't like being on the phone generally. I'm not a phone person. Yeah. Uh, well, since, but, you're not, since you're not a, a phone person, I got like one one final bit for you. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is this is one of those one of those last calls at the bar, um, which is unfinished business. Um, do you feel like, uh, as far as like the Cully, you know, sort of in 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 the story of Cully, you know, is there some unfinished business? Is there, is there something? that you wish to do that you haven't done already that you feel needs to happen? I think there are a lot of things that I've done already that I haven't done to my satisfaction yet. (laughs) Um, I've done, look, I've done Batman projects. I don't feel like I've done the Batman project of mine Mm. yet. I've done creator own work before. I want to do more of it. I'm going to do more of it. I don't feel like I've serviced that part of my creative life enough. So I'm working to rectify that as we speak. Um, no, I'm not announcing anything, but you know there is that out there. I don't know. I mean, I I, I think it's all unfinished business. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if you can call anything unfinished business if you haven't started it already. Yeah. So there, yeah. You know, well, I, 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 think, I think we both suffer from a little bit of the uh, a little bit of the Oscar Schindler or you know, yeah, I could have done more. We're going to go. I could have done more. <laughs> you know? This watch, this watch <laughs> could have saved these this many more people. Uh, it's it's true. And I mean, I, I've got a lot of stuff. Two more pages. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, sure. There are things like that. I, I mean. There are characters that I would like to do that I haven't done or that I've not really done. Like I, you know, I did a, I did a, a couple of issues of Daredevil back in the day. Like back when in was the Scott Lobdell and Stiltman? Yeah, yeah. I remember and, reading those and they were amazing. I have to interrupt and just well, say that. I appreciate that. I, I, you know, Daredevil was not Daredevil in the story. So it's like, I don't feel like I've really done Daredevil. You're, I don't know if you remember, he was he was, he was in like France, um, right. He was in France and he had amnesia and he was never in costume, which for a long time was was the story of my life. It's like okay, I finally get the chance to do this character that I like, and he's not going to be in costume and he's not going to even be himself. He had his costume, but his face was open, right? He had been brainwashed or something to be like a like a shield sleeper agent. Right. So he had this yeah. kind of he had this kind of like a, a version of his suit that was a shield suit. And I remember actually designing that with Michael Golden and I actually like sort of he was my art director on that um, when he was briefly the art director at Marvel. 
Yeah, I mean, he he wasn't himself in the story. The only shot you've got of Daredevil was in the on the very last page, and he's sort of this ghostly figure, kind of like looking over the end of the story. So I was oh, kind of disappointed in that, you know. And I've never gotten to do a proper Daredevil story. Yeah, yeah you, still, um, you still need to get your Daredevil off. Yeah, but I mean, look, I I've also got I've got like a, and Brian will tell you this because he's exactly the same way. A thousand and one creator owned ideas that. I need to get out there. If I just yeah. get a few of them out there, it's fine. I just got to get them out. And I think that, you know, what's going on now, notwithstanding, I mean, the, the industry has been a lot more receptive to create our own work the last, you know, last 10 or 10 or 15 years and increasingly so. And there just isn't a better time to be doing it. Um, you know, I think we're all kind of on pins and needles hoping that, you know, we can pull through, as an industry, what's going on right now? I think we will. Yeah. Just because, oh, yeah. just just Very because cool. I, I feel like everybody is is on board with helping each other pull through it. We're all yeah, I mean, trying our best, you know. The, the comics will always survive. There's too many people that that love them. Yeah. The, the issue that we're we're facing now, it, it, there's there's been that <clears throat> the comic the brick and mortar stores in general, not just in comics. Are, are you know not thriving and then print yeah. is not thriving the newsstand market is basically gone and the reason that we're all we all love comics is because we discovered them everywhere you went to the the, the grocery store yeah. they were there you went to the gas station they were there and they were 50 cents or 35 cents or 60 cents or whatever that gateway no longer exists uh, but we are all still comic book fans there are people that uh, you know, that love them and, and they're not going to go away. But we're kind of in that phase where we went from CD and vinyl faded away and then from CD to digital and now vinyl's coming back. Yeah. Or has come back. And we're kind of in that space between vinyl, which are the printed comic books, yeah. are kind of over here and they're yeah. not getting the attention. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. They're going to come yeah. back. It's figured, it's figured out, you know, obviously with this the the virus that's going on and and you know who knows how many comic shops are going to survive this. I mean, restaurants are going out left and right. Uh, places that that I go to all the time and eat, I'm seeing pop up that hey guys, we're out of business, and unfortunately we're not going to make it through this. So you know that's going to happen to the comic book shops. Yeah, um, it's just a, it's a matter of degree, like like how many of the stores are going to survive. But I mean, the thing what it comes down to is, um, it, it, we we can do, you, know, you can sort of discuss like how to how to fix printed comics like what formats to do or whatever but we have to have the direct market we can't i don't think we can do without the direct market no no the direct market is has got to exist yeah and comic shops have to survive and if, if we lose too many of them that's going to be catastrophic it's yeah. going to be very yeah. it's very bad because there, there's just not a, <clears throat> there, there aren't enough out there right now as there as there you know there should be a kind of a generic post on Facebook and in a couple of retailer boards and you know, industry boards yeah. of, you know, and I, I know it's lame I, I, uh, from a lot of people's standpoints, but I really wish that Marvel and DC would come together right now and say, I know we don't like each other. I know we compete, you know, in cinema and TV now. It's it's a different world. You know, there's, there's Disney and Warner Brothers are calling the shots, but my God, please, guys, come together do some crossovers, put the big characters together and bring, try to bring some casual fans, try to bring some of these movie fans 
into comic book stores to buy these uh, you know, prestige books that will put money in retailers' pockets. Uh, and at the same time, you know, the guys that, you know, at Image and Boom, uh, you know, I've already sent out some emails. I mean, we need to come together too, guys that own their own characters, uh, yeah. you know, Robert yeah. Kirkman, you know, guys like that. Do some fun, exciting stuff and start working on it today because yeah. comic shops aren't going to have any material for a month uh, at least. Then they're going to open back up, and there's going to be this strange period where, you know, like, we had the last issue of Kill Whitey Donovan, uh, issue five was supposed to drop next Wednesday. So, uh, you know, and now it's it's not April first; it's not coming out. Um, we don't know when that book's going to come out, but there's so there's yeah. that that little space where a lot of books like that are going to filter out over hopefully you know May and June, um, but come the fall, you know, come winter, come the new year, we've got to be planning right now to how to yeah. keep comic stores afloat. Uh, well, you know, I'll tell you, I mean, you, the, you're the, the sort of like Marvel DC idea. I, I think that that is, there probably isn't a, a time where it's more possible than right now. Well, wait, no, I think yeah. we can do something right here on this podcast. Kali, you want to do daredevil and Batman, Brian, <laughs> would you be willing yeah. to join Kali? Of course. <laughs> This has been going around on Twitter, actually, the last couple of days. Uh, there's a hashtag, please, please DC and Marvel or something like that. But I think somebody floated the same idea on Twitter. And I answered it. And actually, what I said was that I, I, I'd love to do Daredevil Nightwing. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, I volunteer for Black Panther Batman. Oh, that'd be great, too. <laughs> Who would you guys have yeah. write it for you if you had your druthers? I think the perfect guy to do Daredevil Nightwing would probably be Greg Rucka, yeah, I think he'd be, he would yeah. be great for something like that. Yeah, he's already uh, got he's already got both of those down. Yeah, and hopefully it could be said in France because that would really. <laughs> be the... I I agree, and and hopefully the characters can be out of costume. Yes, and and not remember who they are and fighting over <laughs> escargot. Stiltman <laughs> would be the villain at the end. He'd orchestrate it. <laughs> yeah, so let's 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 make this happen, man. Let's uh, yeah. you know, start the big the big Marvel DC crossovers. You, yeah, you talk to it. your people, I'll talk to my people. Sounds good. Mm, all right. Yep. Yeah, there was a Diamond guy on one of the forums, and, and he said, "Look, you know, Marvel and DC guys, they don't get along anymore. There's execs that hate each other. Blah 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 blah. This is, you know, and it, it's going to take a year to put this together. Yeah, yeah. No, it won't. If you started today." You could pub, you could move your your schedules around. Uh, as somebody who's juggled anthologies with really good artists, you can't expect four or five books by you know four or five guys. You've got to go and, and chop it up, do chapters. You know, like hey, Brian can do uh, you know eleven page sequence. You know, Cully's down for twenty. What? Figure out who's available. You know, on your wish list, and then then let the creative process start and figure out how to make this work. Is it yeah. short stories? Is it a big story? I mean, you know, preferably I would go with like a $10 meaty book. Uh, right. that's more like and a, it could go straight. I'd go, for, I'd, I'd go for a book. That's a dollar. You've got to put money in retailers pockets. That's, that's yeah. going to be important because these guys, they, they, they don't have any money to pay rent in April. Uh, you know, there's nothing coming in the door. They've got to make yeah. some money, you know. But what, what Diamond's got to suck it up. Marvel's got to suck it up. DC's got to suck it up. They've got to sell the thing for a low net cost across the board. Doesn't matter if you right. order twenty. The, the only the only way you could pull off a dollar is if you did the very first issue and nothing else that way and sold a million of them. 
Yeah. 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 Which has happened. I mean, they've done that before. Yeah, I, I don't think you could. I don't know if you could really pull off the, you know, brand new material for a buck because I got to tell you, I'm not going to draw it for nothing because I'm in the same boat as everybody oh, yeah. else yeah. is. We're we're all kind of like, are we going to have? Are we going to have work? Are we going to be able to make a living? And you know, I mean, everybody is scared about that right now. We're just as human as anybody else, so it's like we have to depend on the people who can absorb that cost. And I mean, I you know, right now, DC and Marvel are being pretty good about it. You know, gotten a couple of communications today, basically saying we are open for business. Guys, keep working. Don't worry about it. You know, right. so yeah, we, yeah. you know, they're really they're 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 stick. They're going to stay in there because they can. I'm worried about the smaller publishers because they're going to have it a lot harder than than a Marvel or a DC is. Oh yeah, yeah. Look, when your books don't come out and your your budget's based on the books coming out. You know, yeah. it, it affects you know. everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really. Oh yeah, it, it yeah. yeah. When when I mean, when you're brachiating eating for that one limb and that limb is not there, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. Ooh. yeah. I mean, it, it you know, it's twelve gauge. We you know, I I set a schedule up and x amount of books come out each year, and then we bring that money back in and then we start the next batch. That's why we don't publish yeah. every month. And you know, the ride burning desire trade was coming out in April as well. You know, so, I mean, it, it's, I'm sure it's been printed by now. You know, so now it's just going to sit there and, and suddenly the book is returnable. You know, it wasn't returnable when, when we printed it, but it's returnable now. I mean, and I, yeah, and but, I totally yeah. support that. I, mean, yeah, I, no I think they had to do that. Um, no, it has to be. I, yeah. I, I've got no problems with it. it. It's what should happen. A lot of people have been sort of like kind of, you know, Oh, you know, diamond is, is going to stop operations for a little while. And, I think they had to. They just had to because well, no, yeah. because yeah. little history lesson on me. But you know, I, I started in 1993 when I was getting ready to leave college. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I opened up a comic book store. And so I, I started in re- uh, as a retailer. I, I went and worked for Valiant. And when I was at Valiant, was when the big split happened with Marvel and DC went exclusive with with Diamond, Diamond. and all that stuff. Yeah. And right, yes, yeah, uh, what a disaster. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, Diamond has now. There's just Diamond, and they've got their main warehouse, which they call New Memphis, which is in Mississippi, just south of the, the old Memphis warehouse <laughs> distribution center. But then you've got New York as your second biggest hub for distribution, and then they have a West Coast, you know, California distribution. And New York and California are shut down, so you can't just send comic books there and then expect them to be distributed to a bunch of comic book stores that are closed. So now yeah, you're people dealing in with the South will get their comics, well, but nobody else would. Yeah, but, but yeah, you know people, what? Even if that weren't the case, even if they had the ability to get the comics to the stores, you've got a bunch of stores that can't open that would be on the hook for those comics. Yeah, and, 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 ultimately, and they yes. can't sustain that. Right. So many of them are close to the bone as it is. Right. So what are you? What are you supposed to do? Distribute to the to the Midwest and the Southeast, and yeah. then a month from now, if we're lucky, New York <laughs> opens up. You you drop right. a month. Of books on their doorstep, you know, so it doesn't make sense. Diamond, right? Uh, and look, I will criticize Diamond all day long because they are a monopoly. And anytime when there's no competition, things don't thrive. Uh, yeah. But Diamond, in the position they're in, it's a niche market now. Comic books, it's not. You know, a lot of factors go into. They have a lot of blame for things, but at the end of the day, they do a really good job with a lot of other things. And 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 yeah. the direct market exists without them. So you have to. And, and you know, I mean, I I do know that a number of publishers are exploring alternative methods during this crisis to get product directly out to stores that are still yeah. selling that well, are Marvel still trying DC to, get aren't to sit around they will absolutely yeah. ship product during this time yeah 
they're they're reaching out to retailers directly and and basically saying to them if, if you are selling stuff please contact us and we'll explore ways that we can get stuff to you interesting uh, wow I'm, I'm hearing that more from smaller publishers but i would be i'd be shocked if dc and marvel weren't also exploring well, I, I, somebody told me that that marvel had called their shop <laughs> if they yeah, i saw that that's that's interesting I mean, and you feel for the stores too that are open they don't have anything to sell and then you feel really bad for the ones that are closed and they don't know what the hell is going to happen in a couple of yeah, weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a real Sophie's Choice kind of a situation. You know, what are you going to do? We're we're all in this kind of weird predicament. I mean, I personally am like, do I keep working? Uh, do I sit on my hands? I don't know if like if the things that I'm doing are still going. Weirdly, today started hearing a lot from people that I am doing work for. You know, the word seems to be, yeah, keep working. We're going to keep paying you. You keep working. It's the way it's got to be, and yeah. you know, we'll survive this. It, it's not going to be – this is the worst thing that's happened to comics since it crashed in the mid-'90s, um, you know, and, and I saw that. I think it's I, I think it's worse than that, actually. Oh, no, yeah. That was <laughs> – yeah. no, that's my point. This is the worst thing. Uh, when I owned my comic book store and when I worked at Valiant, at Valiant we had a database. Back in those days, distributors did not share information. But we had a database of, of physical stores that we knew existed – and it was over 7,000. That was when I was there. That was around 95, yeah. 96. Wow. Right. Uh, wow. From best I can tell, about three months ago, there may have been 2,000 shops, actual yeah. brick-and-mortar stores. Um, <laughs> you know, what happens if 20% of those you know, lose their lease? Most guys in these leases, they're probably paying more than they should be because that's the way leasing retail space is. So yeah. hopefully you know, these landlords will, you know, the majority of them will be at least forward thinking enough to say, hey, if, if these guys go out, two other stores in my my strip mall go out, uh, I'm going to have empty space and I'm not going to be able to, you know, economy's in a bad position. Hopefully they'll yeah, do some when this thing when this thing's over with, you're going to have empty space that you can't fill. So it's like it's better to keep the, the tenants that you know that are there that want to pay and build the good, good the goodwill with them and keep them in there. Yeah, and then exactly. when they can start paying again, they start paying again. And everybody needs to just agree to take a hit right now. That's yeah. kind of how it has to be. Yeah, you're taking a hit whether you like it or not. And, and yeah. it's just how, how you deal with that and, and how you move forward. But, yeah, we've all got to make, uh, as far as creators, time where you've got to create. You've got to bring yeah. people into shops. And there are, there's a million reasons why comic book stores uh, don't thrive like they did you know, back in the you know, the beginning of the direct market in the in the 90s and yeah you, know, you discuss that all day but at the end of the day we've got to have some years <laughs> yes what's that i was saying that th those were the halcyon years you know? yeah exactly well guys um i think we're at the two hour mark at this point and i i've got oh, uh, i've got to get moving so sure. it's been a blast yeah, we're only about oh, an yeah. hour and 15 minutes over uh, but it's all good. <laughs> and and I've really I'd say I've enjoyed it because uh, I sat here and did what I was supposed to do, which was drink. And um, I'm about, <laughs> about halfway through this Jack and Coke. Yeah. Here next well, to me, the bottle's you know what? Gone, so. you, you start Brian and I up. This is what happens. Uh, I feel like this yeah. is one of those things where you get a school assignment and just Colleen and Brian did it all and you got an A plus and you're like, yeah, it was just all us. <laughs> it's awesome. Well, guys, it was really it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on. Oh, yeah, man, it was a total blast, dude. Always, always good talking to you. You know, and, uh, and good, good hanging out with the gang. Definitely. All right, thanks, guys. Everybody, stay yeah. safe. Everybody, thank you so much for listening, and check back next week when we have 
a pretty spectacular guest coming on. If you would like to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, we are at ShotByShotCast, and that by is in fact an X. And let us also know who you'd like to see on the podcast as well. Thanks, everybody.